Jai Guru, everyone. Jai Guru. Jai Guru. Jai Guru. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Minute 54 of the podcast Awake Minute by Minute. Today, we are joined by Juanito. Juanito, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's lovely to have you. Is is my English-Spanish accent um, uh, correct or not really? No, it's pretty, pretty spot on, pretty good. Mike, Mike, you're shaking your head. You want to, you want to, you want to add a German, German, English, Spanish. You will, you will always sound, you will always sound British. Yeah, no matter what. Juanito, <laughs> <laughs> tell us when did you meet Guruji? Um, I, it was around 2013, and I, uh, I had been searching actually for the Buddha. I, uh, I found a documentary on the Buddha that I, I was really drawn to. And so my thought was to, to find a Buddhist monastery that spoke English or that I could <laughs> relate to. And so I, I talked to a lot of friends about, about uh, just meditation. Meditation really sparked an interest in me. And so one of my friends um, took me to the Lake Shrine and he said, I found a Buddhist monastery. <laughs> and, uh, and so... We went to the lake shrine, and so I, I, and that's where I found Master, and, and I just fell in love with um, SRF and, and Guruji, and and so I always like to say that the Buddha took me to my guru. <laughs> well, it's uh, by accident, isn't it, really? Because your your friend thought it was a Buddhist monastery. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I think that's the first time first time we've heard an accident. Uh, someone falls into the path through an accident. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. um you've uh, been have you taken kriya i have yes i i joined as soon as i as soon as i found um the lake shrine and i found guruji i i uh, started the lessons and i back then there wasn't that many uh things online so i went on youtube and i just researched anything i could find about him and um and I just, I was just drawn to master and I was drawn to the concept of God as the divine mother. And I think that's one of the things I love about Guruji the most is the, this loving, embracing uh, divine mother. And, and so I signed up for the lessons and eventually I, I got my Kriya at convocation and um, it's just been very beautiful. And, and uh, I've been very grateful to master for this this beautiful journey blessings blessings yes yes, uh, which, yes. which um which how did you find the awake the life of yogananda film in, in especially in comparison to the autobiography of yogi for example how did i find it so i i i remember watching it at convocation the first time they previewed it and and one of the most striking things that i uh, that stood out to me is, is in the autobiography, Guruji doesn't talk about his struggles. He, he talks about his experiences with the, with the different saints and his journey, but he didn't really talk about um, the heartache um, that's mentioned in the in Awake. And so to me, that was so beautiful because it was the, the humility of, of his love that he didn't want to focus on that. And so Awake gave me a deeper appreciation for Guruji that, that not only did he bring these teachings, but that he really did struggle with, you know, the times. 
Um, and, the, and so I found to be, I found the wake to be a more intimate look into the guru and, and one that brought me more gratitude for what he did and, and what he, you know, had to deal with uh, to give us this uh, beautiful teachings and SRF, you know, the, the founding of SRF. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's one of the themes, actually, we, um, we focus quite heavily on during our podcast because lots of things people don't know about. So it's been quite a journey for us to discover some of that, hasn't it, Mike? Um, if you, unless you have any questions, Mike, for Juanito, I can move on to the minute. Let's get into it. Sure. We've lost, uh, we've lost Chris. Um, we think uh, something may have, some sort of uh, animal may have chewed through his broadband line in, in the Amazon rainforest. We don't know. He'll come in and out anyway. He'll come in and out. Um, so this minute, let me give you a quick run through this minute. We have Robert, Robert Love at the start. And Robert Love talks about uh, the types of devotees that approach um, or that come to Yogananda devotees such as uh, Juanito has just mentioned. By the way, we know Juanito because we were we we're starting our Grahasta Sangha, which is different to the young adult Sangha because it's for the slightly older age group. <laughs> so we're still in the embryonic stages. So watch this space. But uh, talking about Grihastas, a uh, prominent businessman, he says judges, lawyers, etc. joined um, and even hardened journalists, <laughs> um, perhaps even the same journalists that uh, gave him such a hard time through all his uh, critical, um, you know, all, all of his lawsuits and other things like that. Um, then Brother Chidananda talks about, uh, it was very, you know, something different was beginning, a small core group of devotees, um, you know, they come, they come to Yogananda and uh, they accept the monastic vows, which is quite new, really probably in the 1930s, it's quite new in the West. I mean, Swami Vivekananda was there a couple of decades before that. And some of his, um, some of his monks came across to India, from India to America. But now Yogananda here is establishing a whole new monastic order of American, you know, American devotees and American monks, which is uh, probably a first um, stand to be corrected. I don't know if you guys have any uh, opinion on that, but that this is probably a first. Um, and then we, we see lots of lovely videos of um, these said devotees joining. And we're going to talk in detail about those devotees. And then we have, obviously, Brother um, Jidananda talking about James Lynn. Um, and we won't speak too much about James Lynn because we want to talk about these lovely devotees that came to the path and the monastic order that they kind of joined and uh, how that would have impacted America back then. Uh, but James Lynn, if you want to hear more about him, that is, of course, Rajiv Sijanakananda. And we discuss him in glorious high definition detail in minute 30, which you can refer to. Uh, Mike, reflections on that? Yeah, about the core group of disciples that now gathered around how Rajiv Sijanakananda says it. I think this is the core attitude, spirit of SRF, even until this day, right? that it's not going out and going for the glory or going for the high amount of um, audience. They more go for the people who are actually devoted and for the people who um, actually are looking for God. And I feel like 
I'm not sure if if there was the shift actually there in Guruji's attitude, but it, it's portrayed like this in the movie. And if it is, then this is basically, I feel like the attitude that SRF kept ever since then. Interesting. And we, we I'd suppose that you might say it's quality versus quantity. <laughs> I suppose, but I suppose everyone probably thinks that same mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> but yeah, Chris. It's, um, it reminds me of the time earlier in the um, documentary or film that uh, Yogananda, you know, we, we talked about him having a vision, um, seeing many faces in the West. Um, and, we, and he said, oh, these people are Americans. Um, and we thought, well, how would he know this? Well, it was maybe the dress, it's the garb, it's the, you know, what they're doing. The, you know, they're, they're, he's seeing maybe streets or something, you know, the, the business that the Americans typically would have had. Um, I just wondered, you know, would he simply have seen many of the devotees that would have come to him, the, the ones that would eventually turn monks and things like this? And um, it has a feeling of, of peace and tranquility, tranquility this minute mm -hmm. for me. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe just after all the turmoil of the last few minutes that we we went through, um, with you know with them on the journey, this seems like a very grounding moment, and it seems like almost a moment of clarity that it was somewhat inevitable, or there's some kind of fate, and Guruji had to go through the these trials and tribulations, uh, you know, that he's been through to, to get to this stage, and it's a really firm grounding. So many people came to him in this in these times that really established, help him establish the SRF. Um, so whether whether or not he really fully sort of knew um, the, the variety of people that would have come at this time and, and, the, and the numbers, but um, for me, it seems like it's somewhat fit and it kind of was destined to happen in some ways. Yes, that's a very good question, especially to ask for this minute, because we're going to reflect on a few of his uh, close disciples that we see in the minute and we're going to answer that question directly hopefully for you um but before we do that Juanita what are your reflections on this minute did you enjoy it I did and so I I, I so appreciate the, the the podcast because I I watched the awake yesterday all over again and I was watching some of it this morning <laughs> and and um and right before uh you know this minute um you know like uh Chris said uh, Guruji had gone through a lot, and so what uh, what stood out to me was the humility. And um, Dayama uh, shares that you know Guruji drew these disciples, this small group of disciples, and then she said that one of them was her. And just the way she said it, and then just kind of carried on into the the minute was this this humility, this this reverence, this sweetness. Um, and I think that's what, what this core small group of disciples, they, though they were small, they were very much large, beautiful souls, yet they were so humble in their love and the reverence for the guru. And, and that's, that's what resonated with me in that particular moment as I reached, watched the, the minute, just that humility of love. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's what we're going to focus on. Actually, uh, mm. a few we're going to we're going to uh, pick out the lives of a few of those, you know, those grainy, blurry pictures that we see, those humble devotees, and <laughs> that and that mm -hmm. in, in those images. We're going to talk about mm -hmm. them in some detail. But it's interesting, mm -hmm. Juanito, that you mentioned um, 
you know, Daya uh, Mata in the previous minute saying one of them was me. Mm-hmm. Because Juanita, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, has not seen the previous minute where we discussed Sri Daya Mata in for, mm. you know, two hours. And that, and that was one of the things we talked about, Juanita. Wow. <laughs> so you are, you are very well in tune. <laughs> very well in tune. Um, <laughs> so let's us talk about so firstly, there's a whole group of, say, I don't know, probably like uh, 12 people um, next either side of Guruji. And we're going to just pick out a few of those people, um, prominent mm-hmm. people. And um, so in the book, uh, Awake book, we see that from left to right, there is a v- lady called Virginia Wright, who is Ananda Mata, who is uh, mm-hmm. Sri Daya Mata's sister. And we have Faye Wright which is uh, obviously we know um, is Dayamata. Then next to her, we have Richard Wright, the tall gentleman next to Guruji, who we know as brother of uh, Dayamata and Anandamata. And we have Sister Gyanamata looking serene next to Guruji on the right-hand side. Then we have uh, Durgamata, Florina Darling, her previous name was, and we'll talk a little bit about her. Then we have Margaret Lancaster, who is Saila Sutta Mata and Orfa mm. Sali, which is Sraddha Mata. Um, mm. So those are those beautiful people that mm. are that are shown there. Um, interestingly, we also have lots of other videos of it's there's actually separate um, images and separate videos that are used but I think they're set in a different time they're not all at the same time but they've brought this footage together to make it feel like uh, you know a varied uh, varied set of images Um, so before we start talking about each of those um, I'll uh, what I'll do is I'll put a link there's a lovely wikipedia page about all the disciples of Guruji that people have made and I'll put that on our description for you. So mm-hmm. firstly let's talk about Anandamata. Oh. So Anandamata, uh, Mike if you open that card. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she is obviously uh, Dayamata's sister and she was born in 1915 to 2005. Um, do you want to read, read that out Mike? Yeah. Ananda Mata, one of the earliest and closest disciples of Paramahansa Yogananda and sister of our late president Sri Dayamata, left her physical form on February 5th, 2005. Though she served Paramahansa Ji and his work for many decades, her role was by choice, one behind the scenes, rather than as public speaker or teacher. Brother Ananda Moy said this at her funeral. Brother was working on plastering and the core at Mother Center, and took a break and witnessed something special as he saw Ananda Ma take the phone. So Chris, do you want to carry on? No, I, I am not a person who's inclined to, vis- to visions or phenomenal experience, experiences. I have never been interested in that kind of thing. But as I saw Anandama taking the telephone to utter, to my utter amazement, I saw light all around her, a whole sphere of light. It became brighter and brighter, and I thought, what is going on? And then I saw Anandama's form change. She became the most incredibly beautiful Mm -hmm. divine being. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. 
And this was not just a flash. It lasted several minutes. Then gradually the light faded and that divine being once again became Anandamata. And she hung up the phone and went back into the office. So a very mundane scenario here. Brother and the voice is doing some work <laughs> and he sees this glorious vision and yeah. it's just phenomenal because you, so the, the ordinarily you, you just see you know Anandamai you see you, you can imagine her being like this behind the scenes person that uh, doesn't really talk very much but she gets you know she does her work she doesn't like take services and do chants uh, but she is this you know, this divine bee, divine mother bee. And then Brother Nandamoy just sees this beautiful vision. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, it's like you get to peek behind the scenes a little bit. You know, you do your work and work with all those people. And then suddenly this person right in front of you just starts glowing and you're like, what's going on? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it seems to run in the family, right? Because... um we last episode we talked about the story that Shyamananda saw Dayama do something sim similar, right, in Puri. Mm, so yes, yes. I guess very very blessed um, sisters. Yes, Chris. It, it's reminded me of a story in the Bible that um, essentially was saying, you know, be be kind to everyone that you meet. Mm. Um, and I think it was something about welcome, welcoming people into your home and and, and, and uh, maybe you guys know the story better off the top of your heads, but um, because you never know who they are, you know, they might, they might be the angels. And uh, this kind of reminds me of, of this story to a degree, you know, it, it, ultimately we all might be, you know, angels um, uh, and, and just ignorant of, of that um, and we can you know some can shine and show it more than others but uh, it just reminds me of that story in the bible that's so beautiful just to treat every 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 person who you meet um, like that uh, because maybe hidden, hidden behind the veil of this physical form is this beautiful celestial being yeah the thing is we are our spiritual eyes or certainly mine is not yet open to see if I'm walking past an avatar. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would hope that I notice, um, but you know, it could have happened. Um, and you know, I think Sadhguru in um, in a recent video, he like talked about like he went, he was walk, he was in a uh, street market in India, yeah. and there was a fully self-realized tea seller or like a fruit and vegetable seller. And they looked into each other's eyes, both realizing, you know, who each other are. And he's like, they just, they just carried on about their business. And this is just, everyone's walking past this guy, you know, trading with him. And he's like a simple peasant, but he's like a realized master. Yeah, Mike. And you're in good company, Priyan. Remember Swamishri <laughs> Teshwar when, when he met Babaji and Babaji didn't want him to realize who he is, right? So he's like, oh, I met this young man. He was very friendly and everything. And then Larry Mahasha was like, dude, you talked about it. <laughs> yeah. And this was the, obviously the case for another brother, another boy as well, because he just thought Anandama was uh, just a regular, yeah. regular devotee, you know, doesn't, you yeah. know, she's not prominent, but look at her. 
spiritual yeah. stature but yeah that's a good good example mike it makes me feel better because um you know sri is an avatar before his realization he couldn't see so who am i <laughs> chris yeah to, going back to your story uh Priyank, with Sadhguru, I, th- I think that story is quite funny because the, the interaction there between the two i believe was Sadhguru saying like why, why are you working here you know selling vegetables <laughs> Um, and the response was, well, I got really, or selling, I think he was, was he, I don't know if he was selling meat or he was selling something that was a bit strange. And then he said, well, I got really sick recently from eating something that I shouldn't have. And through my sickness and ill health, I became self-realized. I, I kind of had this awakening experience. Yeah. And then what he said was every time he's giving something to people, he's wishing illness on them in, oh, in wow. so that they, they would actually have the same experience and go through some kind of inward journey to become you know this this realized being and there was some kind of joke about that he was giving blessings to people um unbeknownst <laughs> to them <laughs> something <laughs> like that yeah wow yeah well, we, in the previous um the previous minute we talked one of our titles of the minutes was uh, sometimes tragedies can be blessings right yeah and uh, certainly mm-hmm. that in in the case of this fruit vendor that was the case he was <laughs> he was struck with some illness and uh, that became his um his source of inspiration and enlightenment which is quite inspiring isn't it um which would actually this is relevant for uh, when we talk about sister um, there a bit later um but <clears throat> ananda moy carries on his story he says years afterwards I read a book of legends about Lord Krishna, which said that when God incarnates on earth as an avatar, there are always some divine beings who volunteer to come with that incarnation. And it is said that great rishis and sages of the past incarnated to be Krishna's companions. They were among the gopis or cowherds who played with the boy Krishna as he grew up in Vrindavan and there is very strong rumors that one of those companions one of those uh, Arjuna himself was Paramahansa Yogananda amongst the mm-hmm. uh, self-realization fellowship uh, mm-hmm. uh, circles uh, we obviously don't know how much mm-hmm. of that is true but uh, you would not be surprised would you <laughs> Chris your hand is up for no reason Oh, sorry, I think that was before, but actually, I would like to jump in. Uh, similar similarities to the sweetness of both of those, let's say, characters, personalities, you know, um, in, in, in Yogananda's words and, and Arjuna's. Yeah, I've never heard that before, but that's interesting. <laughs> Juan, did you see the email that I sent about the reading? I did, about Janamata. Yes. Uh, no, no, not yes. that one. No, no, not that one. I'll, I'll come to that one. Um, so um, Arandamoy carries on and he says, later on, when I heard that she was getting worse physically, I was invited to come up to her room and to say goodbye. She couldn't talk anymore, but she talked with her eyes and with her hands. She took both of my hands in hers and looked at me with the utter, utter love. It was an incredible experience. And then mm. Knowing how much she loved Master, I said to her, Master is waiting for you. Mm. And in response, 
to that, I felt a tremendous wave of love and joy, as if she were expressing, I'm going to be with Master again. <laughs> so wow. those were, yeah, those were her <laughs> last days. Um, so interesting, because uh, so mm. her and Dayamata uh, spent the vast majority of their lives together. So it was quite a beautiful, um, beautiful experience that they had, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about um, uh, Sri Dayamata's like uh, kind of affections or relationship with her at the very end of this minute. So uh, watch this space. Um, yeah, Mike. It's just such a different way to look at passing away when you know Guruji is waiting on the other side for you, isn't mm -hmm. it? It isn't I mean you're losing someone, but first of all, as the person who loves them in this plane, you can say they're going to be with Guruji. And for the person passing away, they say, I'm going to be with Guruji. So mm -hmm. I feel like there's so, such tremendous um, ease in, in the feeling. It's just so much easier to handle. And it's actually a joyous feeling rather than one of sadness. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, and it um, brings a lot of, it offers a lot of solace and comfort to us all, doesn't it? Um, mm -hmm. And it's much needed because death is such a, you know, it's such a jarring experience for most of us. <laughs> um, so yes, now let us talk about Sister Gyanamata. Mm -hmm. um, Mike, do you want to read the first section? Um, Guruji said of Sister Gyanamata in 1940, after her passing, of all women I have met in America, I think the one who has found highest favor with God is Sister Gyanamata. Eleven years later, at her funeral service in Encinitas, California, he declared, a great saint has gone away, but she has left spiritual footprints for all souls that are in despair, that they might trace her footsteps to my father's home. Those spiritual footprints will always be here. A great saint, one of the foremost disciples of a God-illumined master, yet one whose exalted life was lived in relative obscurity, who was this humble soul who found such favor with God. Yes, um, they, he talked often, Guruji talked about her as being her most... Uh, his most advanced disciple, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, Chris? Their first meeting. I see myself coming down the years from the days when I was unhappy, an unhappy little Canadian girl, to that day mm -hmm. when I saw standing before me a Hindu Swami in the okra robe of renunciation. The answer to my prayers and longing. All had led up to that moment. I asked myself sometimes, should he come again with that, with what words would I welcome him? I know that again there would be the same silence, with no words at all except, bless me that I may realize God. Guy Namata often told 
of the instant recognition between guru and disciple at the first treasured moment. They meditated together. Then Paramahansaji told her that she had been one of his disciples in a previous incarnation, recognizing the spiritual receptivity Gayana Mata had attained through her efforts in past lives. The Guru was able at the first meeting to give her the direct experience of God and the great Amen or Om, the creative mm -hmm. cosmic vibration. Mm -hmm. Years later, she wrote to him, do you remember my taking you upstairs to my room when you came to my house in Seattle? Silently, you looked at my pictures of holy men and then turning your back to the long row of windows, you prayed for me very softly and gave me my first blessing, the one that enabled me to hear the Om. After that, as long as I remained in Seattle, I've a vase of orange flowers mm -hmm sometimes fresh blossoms and sometimes artificial ones stayed on the floor to mark the spot where you had stood. What an absolutely stunning um, description of devotion. Mm -hmm. Sister Gyanamata met Guruji when she was quite, um, quite, quite on in her years and um, you know she was married and she had children <clears throat> so she couldn't do what uh, you know Anandamata and Dayamata did, which was basically you see your master, you have this beautiful experience, and you just mm -hmm. leave, you drop everything and leave it mm -hmm. behind. She had to very much carry on in this uh, in her world because you know that that she was fulfilling her her duty there. Uh, Mike, I just so interesting when a super advanced devotee like Yanamata, it reminds me a bit of Lahir Mahashai when they meet their master late in their life, so they have like 30, 40 years to live and they live it without, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure, I'm, I have not made that experience yet, but <laughs> the way it sounds like they live, they live their life without knowing God, without being able to go into cosmic consciousness and they live basically normal lives. And then after all this time, suddenly it all changes in one day, like, she meets Guruji, he is able to give her an, an experience the first time they meet and then I guess from there. Yeah, I, I find I find that so interesting. Yeah, yeah absolutely, isn't it? It's um it's it's strange. It's God puts you in strange position sometimes, isn't he? Mm -hmm. And certainly that's the case <laughs> for Sridaya Mata, because um Sridaya Mata had a very very difficult life like she you know she had difficult sorry sister Gyanamata who did I say Dayamata <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gyanamata so she had like for example she had a, a lot of health problems she had like um, anemia um, diseases in terms of like blood cell problems um, gastrointestinal problems nervous dispositions um, kidney problems arthritis there's, there was so wow. many things she had um, problems with and obviously she was such an advanced soul and such that she had this spiritual experience you know quite similar to Dayamata when she literally just first met him in Seattle when when Guruji was doing his transcontinental um, tour um, mm. and and he met her and she had to you know wait to see him again i think another year she had to wait but um you know i think there's a story where um like people after after um the passed away um they asked mm. um people asked like why you know for such an advanced disciple 
or such an advanced person such as such as she is um why does she have like such a hard life like why does she have to go through so much if she's so advanced and i think guruji said um um before she before she took this birth um she she uh, you know she asked for, to take on a lot more you know take all this on for in this incarnation so she always this was her this was her choice to have this difficult life and i'll probably butchered the story if someone's got a link to this story please please put it on on there but it was such a beautiful um, beautiful thought because she had the you know we all have the choice don't we how hard do you want to how hard do you want this incarnation to be do you want it to be plain sailing uh, do you want it to be harmonious but then you'll have to come back uh, 10,000 more times or do you want to come back just once and then really struggle and uh, does Guruji does yeah. Guruji say somewhere uh uh, how, uh an incarnation without any problems is like a wasted incarnation yes, or a life, life with a yeah yeah a harmonious mm-hmm. life is not a victorious life is that the one yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. something along the yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. absolutely and then yeah juanito please yeah yeah I, I uh there's something that keeps coming to my mind right now that i i heard a devotee tell me recently and it's a quote from guruji about how god tests uh the disciple that he loves the most um with a lot of you know a lot of trials and so just just to think that not only did she take that on but that she had to endure so much and then to meet her guru like not only her love was so great but just god's love for her you know and the guru's love for her was so great and um and you had mentioned earlier when she passed away um, something that actually helped me personally was um, I, I was grieving a friend that I care for very much. And so I was sort of seeking permission in the teachings to grieve. And I found the story of when, when Gyanamata passed away, Master was really sad. And someone asked him, why are you sad? You are with her and God, you know, you're an avatar. <laughs> um, and, he, and he said, uh, I'm with her now on the other side, but on this side, it, it, it hurts very much, something like that. And so it just spoke to their relationship, to just that, 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 that back and forth, the love that she had for him and the love that, that he had for her as, as a disciple, as a guru to the disciple, and, and how beautiful that, um, that bond was, how precious that is, you know, and, and was and is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think I might uh, I might have that quote actually a bit later, um, so we'll come back to that. Um, nice. in ter- always in tune, always in tune. <laughs> <laughs> um, in uh, also, um, you know, one of the uh, one of her books uh, people are encouraged to read, which is where we got all this text from, is is God Alone, which um, which are basically wow. excerpt. Yes, uh, that is the one, Mike. Um, <laughs> which uh, people, you know, she's just excerpts of her letters and things people have recorded about her, but it's an absolutely mm. beautiful mm-hmm. book, as Mike will mm-hmm. attest mm-hmm. to. That looks like a very old copy, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, my, it's my mom's. So. Wow, Aww. that is, a, that is <laughs> yeah. an old copy. She, so notes from her inside. Oh, and wow, <laughs> that is so beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, 
Yes. Um, so that God alone, um, I believe it's named that way because um, she had a picture with, um, was it embroidered or like, was it a picture or a painting that just said God alone, you know, in mm. a frame. And um, each year, Gyana Mata reaffirmed that motto um, by mm. inscribing the date of the anniversary of her monastic vows mm. on the back of it. And she signed it to remind her of that, you know. And in her later years, she wrote to Paramahansaji, um, the words that hang above my head, God alone, are there because I took a vow not to forget my goal, even for a moment, and never to let anything come between you and me. I never have. You are the pole star of my life. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So there's also something else I wanted to read up. Um, I was thinking of something that was coming into my life that filled me with apprehension. So there's another famous quote and this is the background of it. So I was thinking of something, this is Gyanamata, of something that was coming into my life that filled me with apprehension. I knew that this is not the will of God, that I should be saved from the experience. Even at that moment, it was moving towards me. Suddenly, God told me the prayer he would listen to. And I said quickly, change no circumstance Ooh, of my change life. Myself. <laughs> change me. So change no circumstance of my life. Change me. What an absolutely phenomenal prayer. Um, mm. That, you know, there's, you know, the Bhagavad Gita has is, is got some phenomenal, you know, texts that Krishna says, but this one, if it was in there, if Arjuna had said this, you would not be surprised. You, you, you just think that that's what, what should be there, right? What a stunning yeah. thing that we can all live to. Mm -hmm. And it's so simple. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, thank you. Exactly right. And I, this prayer made a difference in my life. And I know so many people who would say the same thing. Because not only is it a powerful prayer, but it also changes completely the attitude that you have towards a problem, right? It doesn't say, um, you know, life has been so unfair to me. It actually says, whatever life does to me, it doesn't matter because I live for God. And those experiences that come, they are here to teach me how to become a better devotee. And just changing this um, attitude in yourself already is very healing and it shows so much devotion. Yes. Juan, do you want to read out? Yes. Oh, yeah, please. Oh, yeah. You, you yeah. finish what you want to say and then you can read out your your your, your section. Okay. Yes, of course. I, I think you. I, I, I'm glad Mike mentioned that because that that's the... Uh, what I was feeling is that this, this quote is so transforming and we tend to resist when something that we are going through or we're struggling with that we don't that we don't want to deal with we resist it we 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 negate and we and we say even like why me or why mm. god <laughs> you know? and, and so the human nature of, of, of to resist but it but it's such a, a liberating quote and, and and just the thought of surrender you know just to surrender and and then it makes all the difference and it transforms the whole experience and and i just uh, i i love that that quote so much and i go to it often as well when i have something that i'm struggling with just to remember that if i just surrender um and then that I, that i ask to 
you know, change me, not the circumstance. It, it makes a whole difference. So I, I'm very, very happy this, uh, you brought this up and then uh, Mike mentioned it. So I, I'll read um, no, the no, part Chris, that you sent to me. Chris has got a point before that. Yeah. Go, Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm reading, uh, going over to the lessons and um, reading, I think it's lesson 43, um, I believe it is, uh, and, and it talks of resisting temptations. And this is something that Guruji talks a lot about is um, don't focus on changing others, you know, change um, change, change your own uh, ignorance and, 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 and mistaken ways. Uh, so if anybody, you know, wants to go back to this subject and is a lesson student, just to remind you, that's, that's where it is, because I'm, I'm, I'm reading those at the moment. So it's, it's uh, apt just to mention. And you're talking about, of course, the old format lessons. The old format lessons. Uh, because yeah. it doesn't do, doesn't go 43 anymore oh, chris yeah, is yeah. uh chris chris is old school he likes school. vintage vintage day <laughs> 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 um juan please yes um okay so uh i'll read it says indeed those who knew her claim that Janamata lived in his vibration throughout the remaining 20 years of her life demonstrating a unique attunement to her guru she mentally followed him as he carried the self-realization teachings from city to city, country to country, all around the world, until she came to feel that inwardly there was no separation between them. She once wrote him, for 16 years, I have followed you from point to point. Until now, I do not feel your absence at all. For where you are, there I am also always standing invisibly before you, humbly and patiently awaiting the moment when I will receive a word and a smile from you. Distance was no barrier. No matter how many miles separated them, where, whenever the guru would send a special inner blessing to her, she would feel it, recognizing, recognize it as coming from him, and would write him a letter of gratitude. Sometimes she would sing, she would sign her letters to him with her name, Gyanamata of Yogananda, mm. an affirmation of her love and attunement with her guru. Uh, pause, then, pause that, pause that, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, um, listening, to, listening to this, it spurs a, a memory that... There, there, there's been reoccurring moments in, in my life since taking on a guru, guru and being in a relatively closed social network where gurus don't exist. Um, and many people, if I have mentioned it at all to them, friends and family, would kind of raise an eyebrow or a cock a head, a little bit like, hmm, guru, what, you know, what, what does this mean? What is <laughs> what is your relationship with this guru and <laughs> what are his intentions? And, um, you know, it's these kind of conversations. And I suppose just to maybe throw it out there for conversation, maybe briefly, I know we've talked about it in, in previous minutes, but, you know, what is the relationship with the guru? Like, why is it that there's such devotion, such borderline fanaticism from a third party? You know, they, they, people might think, God, you know, you're just crazy, like following this, person like who is this person why why do you why do you believe so much in this person but the relationship is so intimate 
and difficult to describe to people who aren't initiated and devoted in, in such a way. And there's this magnetism, I suppose is the only way, is the way that I can describe it, love magnetism, that you're just drawn and just connected to, to, to your guru in a way that goes beyond words. Uh, and you have full trust and full faith and you know you're you're fully committed to this relationship and and just hearing these words you know hearing this faith and commitment coming coming from what one when when he's reading this um and, and it's just triggering these things that it's very difficult to describe to people who aren't on this path who don't who haven't done that inward soul search and demanded that they be given a guru and directly or directly uh, and, and one is presented you know when when this the, the teacher appears so i just wanted to kind of throw out there um to see see what you guys think about that yeah as i think you put it well there when your yearning is is so strong they uh, um think there's a, there's a famous saying that you don't don't go looking like for a guru like don't go outside <laughs> Don't go outside searching for one. Just increase your yearning and your devotion, and the guru then will make himself available to you, um, which I think is a powerful, powerful concept. Because I made the mistake of when I was in India going, going around searching for a from ashram to ashram and for a guru. <laughs> yeah, when I was there at nineteen. You my guru. And interestingly, right. I was I was reading the autobiography of your whilst doing it. <laughs> uh, Mike. I love that concept um, when she says every time she found Guruji was like sending her a little blessing or she found that in her life he would do something that she would immediately write him a letter. Yeah. I <laughs> feel like, isn't that how our lives are sometimes? You know, you feel like you got a little blessing from the Guruji and if he was in this form, you would just write him a letter and just say, thank you, Guruji, for this you know um i find that i i sometimes um use my journal for that and just when i when i feel like something like this has happened um and she had this life relationship right she, he was there and and of course she was a perfect disciple as well so for her and she had this perfect intuition so those things probably happened all the time and i mean this book is like a collection of all the letters she wrote right so very sweet relationship they had yeah um i think that's a fantastic reason to have a journal probably the best reason if you just mm -hmm. chronicle those um chronicle those little moments of guruji, <laughs> guruji disciple moments of inspiration um and they that you know if you if you fill up a little just a few pages if you just fill up a few pages that's um that's enough fuel to keep you going in the darker times that each of us go through you know when our when our faith is perhaps not as strong as it usually is or if we're going through a tough trial where we're questioning or we're doubting you know the grace that's in our lives so it's very very beneficial um, yes Juan please uh, carry on yes yes um speaking about death yeah so um she says sister was so humble and considerate we called one of the younger sister disciples that any time Guruji would come into the room, she would approach him, touch his feet, and depart. I once asked her, Sister, why do you leave when Master comes in? And she said, I don't want 
ever to give him the slightest cause to feel that he must give me any notice. I don't want ever to, I don't ever want him to feel that he must utter one word to me. Did you ever hear such humility? Such was her attunement and reverence for the guru. Absolutely so phenomenal, isn't it? Yes. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yes. Because, um, you know, <laughs> people always run after a guru and try and seek yeah. personal counsel and, yeah. you know, all these things. And Guruji often says, you know, ask and have all your questions answered in meditation. <laughs> and Guruji was, you know, around, physically available to, you know, answer any of her queries. And she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't even stay in the same room. She would let, not only would she, you know, let others take that need, you know, take that opportunity. But she then is using that opportunity for her own spiritual unfoldment as well, which is uh, quite um, quite a beautiful thing, isn't it? I just thought it was such a powerful uh, powerful concept that um, that element. Um, and then let's so we're talking about death. Um, let's talk about uh, <clears throat> Yana Mother's death now, or her parting from this uh, this plane. Um, so I'll just read out some sections. Another of Self-Realization Fellowship nuns was present when Gyanamata spoke her last words. They came a short while before her passing. She said, sister's face was radiant. A big mm. smile illumined her face as she exclaimed, what joy, what mm. joy, too much, too much joy. And within an hour, also, she was gone. I remember well that last day, one of the nuns came to Master and said, Sister's condition is very bad. So Master went in immediately to see her. She was sitting in her chair at the time. Master said something to her and stayed with her for some time, blessing her. Most of the time, they said nothing to each other. We knew that he was communing with her soul. Mm. Then he said to a few of us, now come, let us go for a drive. Guruji had told us that Divine Mother would never let him be in the room when Ooh. one of the devotees passed away, or one of his loved ones as well, because that happened with Sri Yukteswar, and thus, and his mother as well. And thus it mm. happened that he was never physically present when any disciple oh, left oh, the body. Oh. So we drove around Encinitas um, and nearby community for about an hour, None of Ooh. us spoke. Our minds were with sister. Master sat absolutely motionless. He was meditating deeply. Ooh. When we entered the hermitage, one of the nuns came up to him and said, Gyanamata has just left her body. Master was very quiet and withdrawn. <clears throat> Finally, he whispered, yes, and went reverently into her room. We all remained at a respectful distance outside the door. He spent some time with her there. In silence, blessing her, we heard him whisper, Sister, you went before me. After a while, he motioned for us to come into the room. Quietly, we entered and approached Sister's body. With solemnity in his voice, he asked us to feel the temperature of her feet. They were very cold. Then he said, now I want you to feel the top of her head. This was remarkable. It was very hot as if on fire. 
Master explained to us, this shows that she has left the body in the highest state of samadhi. Her soul departed through the highest spinal center, the thousand petals lotus in the brain. Now she has achieved that final state of mukti or liberation. She is free. She has no need to return to this world, but we will meet again. After that, Master said to us, you must know that her passing symbolizes that I will be leaving this world shortly. And then less than four months later, Guruji left his body. Wow. So, yes. What an absolutely inspiring story. <laughs> With some parallels to yeah, some Shakespeare plays that we won't go into. <laughs> so it's uh, stunning, absolutely stunning. What a what a uh, what a lovely kind of narrative and a lovely lovely like display of devotion between them, like a selfless mm. selfless love that you know just kind of encaptured everyone at Mother Center and you know inspired us inspired us even to this to this day. I don't think there's there probably isn't a sweeter relationship I don't think than that between Guruji and Sister Gyana Mata could be corrected Mike yeah, I just noticed the real change in um, vibe from mm -hmm. last minute or the two minutes ago to now where he was still in Mexico thinking about Dhirananda leaving the ashram um, organization crumbling to now he has all those sweet souls and they came in abundance now you have like can take like a big group shot full of <laughs> disciples that would don't spend their whole life just for his organization and then he has such sweet connections with people that he even like when one of them passes away he says okay my work here is done i will also leave soon um it, it's just um it just shifted made a 180 um, in a very short time and turned completely into this direction of building this this loving hive of self-realization for everybody. Yes, yes. Um, yes, Juanito. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I I felt that yesterday when I was watching it and, and this morning and, and even the music they used and just the voice of, of, of Dayama, but I think what I'm, what I'm, um, you know, as you were reading, I had not heard or read uh, what you just shared. And, and so I just feel the reverence, um, the reverence of, for the soul from, you know, from, from Gyanamata to master and then from master to her. Um, that bond, that beautiful, beautiful bond that was more than just this, you know, here in this in this physical realm, and 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 thank you for reading that. It was so beautiful, and, and I am so grateful. And um, and and I, and I said it before. One one of the most healing things that Guruji ever gave me was just these little blessings of how to cope with with death because you know being a devotee we we always want to be happy and we always want to be in this positive you know mindset and and, and whatnot and and 
And in those moments, you know, when you're going through something uh, such as losing someone you love deeply, you almost feel that you don't have um, the right to grieve that that deeply, you know. And so to find that Guruji so loved her that he that even God, you know, he would go away until she transitioned um, so that he would not be there at that moment, but then that he would come back and it just, um, it's just so beautiful to me. And it just, and, and again, it, to me, it's like my guru, my guru telling me it's okay. You know, it's okay <laughs> that you, you're sad and it's okay that you've lost someone you love. And, and here's an example of how I dealt with it. And, and so even in that, in that there's this beautiful lessons of, of Guruji's teachings that they really are how to live teachings, you know, <laughs> We really do get everything from from birth to you know to ascension and death, and I so love the relationship, and I am so grateful that through this podcast I'm having this connection with her mm. even more. So, so thank you, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're all blessed. It's funny how even the you know these all these small things in our lives can uh, take us towards or closer to Guruji. Um, we didn't think that this uh, podcast would be as well I didn't anyway as uh, as useful as it has been for this endeavor and this goal but it has certainly been uh, been a beautiful journey inward and closer to master I don't know if that's uh, the same for you Mike and Chris sure <laughs> yeah Chris yeah it is absolutely I think whenever we first sort of said initially like well why are we doing this and you know we, we give our little statements to say well you know it's because we want to you know get together as a group which was great as well as you know talk about Guruji and um you know re- relive uh, some of the moments uh, that he had when he when he was in the physical plane um but I, I think some of the concerns that we were talking to each other about was what what's the content going to be like as we continue throughout you know the the, the various minutes you know in, in later minutes and it's just funny, you know, we, we always joke like, oh, it might be a short minute and then we get into it and there's just so much, <laughs> just so much to talk about in every single minute that, you know, that there's moments that trigger conversations that you could spend hours talking about and we have to just try to, you know, cut it down to some reasonable time to, <laughs> to respect the listeners. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I personally love... All, all, every moment that we're, we're covering uh, on these um, on these in these conversations, they're they really are blessings for sure. Indeed, indeed. So, the next soul along the line, we won't talk about uh, Richard Wright. I uh, will save that for a uh, India the India episodes when when Guruji goes to India. For the next soul along the list is. Uh, Durga Mata is there. Um, Durga Mata was previously known as Florina Darling, and she was also a very advanced devotee. And the, the one of the most beautiful things about Durga Mata in my mind is her very inspiring voice and her chanting style. So I thought, let's uh, change this one up a little bit. Let, 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 let me play you her voice. Uh, let me know what you think, and then we'll perhaps hear one of her, a short snippet of her chanting. And I would like to read you something, just a few lines. Something Master wrote. 
you are lucky more than millions of people because it requires a definite state of evolution to even respond to these teachings of the masters. Now, isn't that encouraging for us? All the masters knew that we had to quicken our evolution. They have devised many techniques which you are all getting. And one of the methods is chanting. Chanting, indeed. What a beautiful voice she has, right? And what a lovely devotional diction she has when she when she's speaking. I think it's pretty pretty unique. You just want to hear more more and more of her, don't you? <laughs> um, so let me quickly play you her chanting style. <clears throat> And similar to Master, because musically, she doesn't stay within the rules <laughs> of what we know to be, what we know to be, you know, uh, ac you know, professional music um, and timing. Uh, but does it does it? It does not matter, does it? The the goal is to inspire and to take you closer, you know, closer to God and both Guruji mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Durga Mata. I think probably more than any other nun is capable of capable of doing that so so mm -hmm. effortlessly in her in her voice and her singing style <laughs> uh, chris I, I don't know about anybody else but i got had my hair standing on end it's still it's still there yeah um, you know it just really raised that energy instantly <laughs> mike is pointing to it <laughs> of which there is <laughs> and it's just so great you know chanting chanting such a uh i, I don't i don't know I, I want to say it's overlooked at times but um it's such a powerful way when done when done with the devotion that, that we heard there um so thanks for playing that clip that's great sure no problem um so let's uh, move on. You guys uh, can read about Durga Mata on, on the yogananda.org website more if you wish to. Um, so first, I was going to talk about, um, uh, so all these lovely disciples devoted their lives entirely, entire, the entirety of their lives to, to Guruji and the work. Um, in, in Durga Mata's case, she did it kind of uh, differently, perhaps, to the others. Um, but how does that how does that you know how can we do the same thing so durga mata is a good example actually isn't it because she had to carry on her responsibilities as, as a as a wife as a loyal wife as a mother um, but her heart and her mind was never away from guruji was it and that is quite inspiring and she did she did dedicated uh, I would, she, I'd imagine she even like she became even more effective in what she was doing 
in her in her other walks of life you know if she if she loved she would love more deeply now after this you know beautiful experience she had with with guruji when she she met him and i i would like to think that i can also do the same thing in my in my life even though you know i'm not a uh, i'm not a monk but uh, i've <clears throat> i volunteer in various capacities at the center at um, you know yogananda seva um, and in all, a lot of other walks, even at work, you know, I think, for example, you know, if you if you're working, if I'm working, I don't think that it's just for that pound, you know, pound in, the pounds in my bank. It's for, a, you know, the, the the goal is for a much higher purpose, and it's all all part of my spiritual unfoldment. So, yeah, my Chris. Yeah, I, I've, I'm sure we all know Guruji's mentioned like. Um, he wrote in the lessons that there, there's a difference um, when people give up uh, that's a material wealth or give up relationships or give up their life and livelihood to go into the um, monastic uh, path uh, and true, you know, true devotion there uh, and, and life given up on them and uh, they kind of have nothing left let's say you know and then they kind of fall fall into that life and say oh look how great i am um there's a very big difference in in the tune um i i can't recall the monk's name specifically um but um uh i just want to mention you know the, there, there's a lot of inspiration with a lot of the you know direct disciples and monks um in srf uh, uh order order and they many of them have given up a lot and, and one monk in particular give up a lot of family wealth and a lot of opportunities, you know, within, let's say, a career path and um, went into the monastic order. And I just think that there's so many inspirational stories from the various monks in the, uh, you know, in SRF. And you just love to hear every single one of them um, because they are so inspirational. Um, so all the interactions that whether I've seen monks in, in, in real life in the London Centre, in, sorry, in face-to-face, -face, um, or see them talking through the various channels uh, that the SRF has, they're just, every single one of them are special and inspirational. So um, you're talking about favourite moments here, but favourite interactions, but I don't have one. Uh, <laughs> but all, all, all of them are just so, so special, but so valuable. Mm -hmm. Mike? It reminds me of two two things. One of them is one um, uh, piece of um, wisdom from Swami Sri Yukteswar in the autobiography, where he goes like he sometimes sees people their wife have their wives have left them. They ran out of mm -hmm. money, and then they go like, "I'm gonna renounce everything and become a monk." <laughs> they have not renounced anything if, what are you going to renounce if you don't have anything <laughs> the, the, all the things have renounced him right <laughs> and the, the other thing is that um, uh, I've heard that many times of people who join the ashram that it's not a refuge for pe for people who find the world too difficult or too um, because uh, because the ashram is not an easy way of life because it constantly confronts you with your 
inner battle, right? You are you are going to have to work on your ego a lot in there. And if you are not strong, then you won't make it in there. And all the monks that I have met, they are inspiring examples of how to live a victorious life on the plane of Kurukshetra. And um, that's why I admire all of them. And I think if they would be out in the world playing a part, they would all be successful out there. Chris? Can I just say it's worth mentioning Lahiri Mahishaya here? Because um, <laughs> when I first really heard his story, like I, I feel a really strong connection with Lahiri Mahishaya. Um, and similarly, connecting to what we've said previously in this minute, um, that maybe he lived a life uh, and, and was brought in and had this interaction with Babaji and kind of it all, let's say, came flooding back in, you know, this, this, these previous lives that he's had and um, was rather, uh, uh, it was a rather uh, imminent change for him, right? Um, from one life, let's say, to delving into, into another. And he was this homely man, you know, had a, had a family and a career and so forth, so on and so forth. And it was a really good example for us um, and for everyone that the spiritual life can be balanced with with the kind of physical worldly life of you know having a family and responsibilities that way. So any anytime I think about this and a monastic life, um, I can't help but think of Lahiri Mashai. Uh, so worth worth noting. It's not quite a direct mm -hmm. disciple of Guruji, but um, yeah, it's inspirational. I suppose that's carried through the lineage mm -hmm. talking about lineages chris tell us about the swami order taking root in um, america but what are mm. they've, they've certainly been adapted hasn't it the um the varnashrama as we call it or the no it's not mm. varnashrama sorry it's just the monastic um the stages of the monkhood um, or joining the swami order in 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 self-realization fellowship tell us a little bit about that well, it was over 100 years ago that in, in July 1915 when Yogananda took it was um, after sort of asking Swami Sri Yukteswar multiple times um, and uh, he was initiated uh, into the into the order. Um, but in, in general, um, uh, I, I was looking this up, you can get this on the Yogananda.org website. There, there's four stages of monastic life in ashrams for SRF. Um, and, and really dependent on one's commitment to the renunciant life and the monastic vows, the, the stages aren't fixed with any length. Um, it really, it's, it's to do with the potency of, of, of the commitment. Um, so the first two are more of a novice entry level. Um, you've got postulancy as the first, and it, it's really um, helping the renunciant gauge the depth of his or her desire to embrace the path of renunciation. And the second stage of the novitiate, um, is uh, again a novice level expected. Um, they're expected to demonstrate a growth of understanding, disciplineship, and then the third is, you know, really when it, when it starts to take um, take some momentum on the brahmacharya uh, vow is it, it's a, it, it's the third stage and it's a Sanskrit word that refers to the disciple and self. Uh, the dis discipline and self-control of one's thoughts and actions for the purpose of achieving union with the, with the self and spirit. Um, and this file really signifies the disciples deepening intention to remain in the monastic uh, ash ashrams 
uh, of SRF and it's uh, living by the, the four um, uh, the, the, the there's there's the four qualities of uh, simplicity, celibacy, obedience, and loyalty till the end of life. So this is where they they get the the family name is dropped, and um, they start to use the title of uh, brahmachari or uh, brahmacharini for for mm -hmm. the females. Um, and then the final stage is the sannyas. So um, sannyas. That is, yes. Sorry, sorry. Um, that's the pronunciation, uh, correct pronunciation there. Uh, and it represents the renunciant's total life commitment to God and Guru. So if you didn't know those four stages, um, that, that's four. I wasn't entirely familiar with them. So mm. it's, it's nice to, to look at them. Uh, and that's, that's the, uh, that's the over, overview. Yeah. Thanks very much, Chris. So Sanyas is uh, the one where uh, the title brother or sister uh, or ma or whatever is conferred amongst, amongst the Self-realization fellowship uh, monastics. Um, I think that would be correct. Um, yeah, I think that's very interesting. Um, hopefully, uh, one day, Chris, you'll become a monk. <laughs> <laughs> well, you there? He's already there. Very <laughs> soon. Um, right. So let's go back. I promised that we would go back to uh, Ananda Mata's. Uh, memorial service uh, apparently guruji anandamada said of guruji god has sent guruji said god has sent me angels then he would look at each of us and say now we now you must all behave as mm. angels and daimata in anandamada's funeral tells us how we can do such a thing she says may god bless each one of you and I ask one thing of you all, let this occasion change us. The, the examples of saintly lives are meant to change us, not someone else. Ask yourself, am I loving? Am I kind? Am I peaceful? Do I radiate compassion and love? That was master. That is what all the, these have gone before us have taught. Rajashi, Gyanamata, Durkamata, Dr. Lewis, and others, and now our beloved Anandama. No smallness of mind and always thinking, what can I do to serve? The greatest joy that she knew, the greatest joy we all knew, Ooh. was serving selflessly. Never the thought of me, me, me. When this I shall die, as Master said, then will I know who am I? Beautiful. <laughs> really good prayer. And um, uh, Mike, would you want to finish with the Sister Gyanamata prayer that you beautifully found? <laughs> oh, no, Chris has got something before. Chris. Oh, no, sorry. It's... No, you don't. Yes, it's... please, Mike. Let us... so this, is the, this is a prayer that Sister Gyanamata wrote. Um, and the inspiration was that she wanted to write it for the other for other nuns that are in the ashram, and um, it is very it is very humble, like she is, and it goes, "Teach me to meditate until I intuit thee. Teach me to pray until I find thee. Teach me to demand until I receive thy kingdom. Teach me to seek until I find thee." 
teach me to love thee, whether it is thy pleasure to reveal thyself or not. Teach me to meditate until I feel thy bliss. Teach me to seek thee until thou dost answer. Teach me to feel thy peace until thou dost reveal thyself as bliss. Hey Guru. Hey Guru. Hey Guru. Hey Guru. Hey Guru.